0: In academic medicine, postdoctoral fellows are often at the forefront of scientific research, but not all postdocs stay in academics.
1: Increasingly, graduate students and postdocs want a career in industry, but they don't have the experience to get it.
0: On today's show, we'll discover an organization that's helping postdocs
2: gain experience from industry. It really gives us a bridge and a transition to go from the lab bench to a boardroom. And get relevant industry experiences while providing knowledge to industry.
3: Having outside fresh ideas to say, hey, have you thought about this? Or hey, have you thought about that? That's one of the most useful things. Just getting more people looking at the same problem will get to a better answer sooner.
0: It's known as PICO or Postdoc
3: Industry Consultants.
0: Learn more about PICO inside this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Welcome to CTSI Discovery Radio. I'm your host, Brian Bellmer. CTSI Discovery Radio is brought to you by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. The CTSI is a consortium of researchers, doctors, scientists, and others representing eight institutions, including the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, Freidert Hospital, Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Zablocki VA Medical Center. The CTSI works collaboratively across all of our member institutions in advancing biomedical research and finding new drugs, treatments, therapeutics, and interventions that are better, faster, and more economical than ever. Our mission is advancing health through research and discovery. A report issued by the National Institutes of Health indicates that less than 25% of postdoctoral fellows will ultimately receive a tenure-track position in academia. Considering that the vast majority of them won't remain working in academia, it means that most will need to be prepared with relatable skills to compete for jobs in industry rather than remaining in the research labs or classrooms of an academic institution. While some of those skills can be obtained through their studies, nothing can truly prepare pre- and postdoctoral scholars for working outside of academia like real industry experience. Conversely, there are many companies that can benefit from translation and application of scientific knowledge and skills these same students gain through their studies. If only their paths would intersect. Enter PICO, an organization at the Medical College of Wisconsin that facilitates collaborations between pre- and postdocs and industry. Dr. Julie Tetzloff is Associate Dean for Postdoctoral Affairs and Graduate Career Development and Faculty Advisor for PICO at the Medical College of Wisconsin. We enjoyed a recent conversation with her to discover what PICO is and does. She begins by telling us what PICO is an acronym for.
1: It stands for post Industry Consultants, but currently it's a bit of a misnomer. Historically, we only admitted post to the group, and we've recently expanded it to graduate students as well.
0: In fact, we'll hear from a pre-doctoral student who's a PICO member a little later in this show. Next, Dr. Tetzloff tells us that, by any name, it's the need for an organization like PICO that's most important.
1: Increasingly, graduate students and postdocs want a career in industry, but they don't have the experience to get it. So by joining PICO, they can get a business experience as well as education to make them more marketable for the jobs they want.
0: How was PICO started? She explains it began seven years ago when a postdoctoral fellow recognized her own shortcoming, in industry workplace experience.
1: It was developed in 2011 by a postdoc, Dr. Lena Watanabe, and she wanted to go into industry but realized she didn't have the skills necessary to get there. So she talked to Dr. Phil Clifford, who was my predecessor in this role, and they came up with a pilot program for PICO. They recruited a business client, and they developed an initial project and launched it from there.
0: So when PICO began, was it the first organization of its kind? Well, almost.
1: It's the second of its kind. And it's growing with popularity. We reached out to the original group out of Missouri and we asked them for guidance to help get us set up. And now these pico Light groups are growing nationally and we actually have a role in developing them throughout the nation and helping them get started. And most recently we helped UW-Madison establish their own group.
0: We've heard a lot of talk about postdocs. For the benefit of those not familiar with the title, What is a postdoctoral fellow?
1: A postdoc is an internship. It's not really a job. It's more of a temporary training position. When you get a PhD in the biomedical sciences, you are not really ready to go into a career in academia and become an assistant professor. So you need an internship that lasts about three to five years. And then when you complete the internship or the postdoc, then you're ready to go into a career in academia.
0: Yet despite all the years of experience they've gained through their studies and research, most postdocs won't stay in academia. So what factors might influence a postdoc to join PICO? Dr. Tetzloff tells us about one significant factor.
1: I think right now there's a bulge in the pipeline. In the biomedical sciences, we are producing too many PhDs, and we don't have enough academic positions for them. In the last two decades, we're producing seven times more PhDs than we actually need to fill those academic positions. And as an institution, we're trying to get them the training that they need to get the jobs outside of academia that they desire.
0: And where are those opportunities for PICO to provide its consultative services. She says it varies from big companies to small companies.
1: Historically, we went after local companies. We work with small and large companies like Sigma and the biotechnology industry, pharmaceutical industry. We've worked with Promentis.
0: We'll hear from someone with Promentis Pharmaceuticals later in this show. Ahead of that, Dr. Tetzloff says Pico often works with brand new companies as well.
1: My favorite type of company to work for is a startup company, and usually we go after MCW startups because we typically get really good mentorship from PIs, starting out companies, and they often don't have the bandwidth that they need to start up those companies, and so we get a lot of value both ways in that relationship.
0: And the type of consulting services Pico members provide to those companies can vary greatly as well. Well, so much so, in fact, that we
1: have never turned down a project. And I think that's pretty amazing because the PICO consultants don't have business training, but they have exceptional scientific training. So with the mentorship from the business client and their scientific training, they're really able to accomplish any type of project. That said, we do a lot of market analysis, write executive summaries and business plans. Really, we can do anything.
0: What does Dr. Tetzloff consider key benefits that companies receive from their PICO
1: consultants? All of our PICO consultants are exceptional scientists. So they get the scientific training and they get a scientist who can ask questions and think through the answers. And I think that's critical.
0: And there's another key benefit, the cost there isn't any.
1: PICO services are pro bono, and we do like to keep it that way out of consideration for the smaller companies that we work for. Our budget is very lean, so we figured out how to operate on very few dollars. And so as of right now, we don't really need incoming dollars. So I don't think that we'll be charging for our services soon.
0: In discussing the other side of the equation, she expands on some of the key benefits that companies provide for PICO consultants.
1: Companies offer mentorship first and foremost and also a behind-the-scenes look at what it's like to work for a company and to work in industry because often Postdocs are only familiar with that academic world, and they don't know what's behind the doors of industry. What is that like? So we get this behind-the-scenes look and also access to the network.
0: And the specific skills they're likely to gain?
1: We really try to focus on soft skill development because in the business world, that's something that's highly desired. So some of the soft skills that are desired are leadership skills, communication, teamwork. And these are all things that we're already doing in the academic world. We just don't call them soft skills. So I think it's important for us to identify what those skills are and then to develop them.
0: Which, for those postdocs seeking to work outside of academia...
1: Makes them more marketable for the job that they want in industry.
0: Again, what percentage of postdocs do pursue opportunities in industry rather than remain in academia?
1: We've had over 50 PICO alumni and about 70% of them have gone into industry and 100% of them credit their experience in PICO in finding their job.
0: At least that's the percentage at the Medical College of Wisconsin.
1: In terms of our PICO alumni, now if you're looking at national numbers, about 18% go into industry.
0: Dr. Tetzloff says one of the challenges for PICO members is maintaining the balance between their research work and their consultant work.
1: The graduate students and the postdocs are at MCW to do research. That's their number one priority. So we ask that our consultants prioritize their research work and that they only work about five hours per week on PICO related activities and that they confine those activities to the evenings and the weekends whenever possible. And if we start to hear that their productivity is decreasing, then we address that issue.
0: She says there's also a delicate balance in keeping talented scientists in academia while supporting their potential interest in working outside of it. That's a national concern.
1: But I think we do have concerns here institutionally as as well and they're very well founded. We have incredible faculty here who support the work of PICO and they support their trainees being involved in PICO and we also have some resistance and I appreciate that because it makes me really diligent about making sure that our consultants are doing what they need to. They're also developing their career desires too.
0: But there's that bulge she talked about earlier, which means not every postdoc will secure a tenure-track position in academia in fact most won't.
1: There is a report by the NIH that says about 23 percent of postdocs go into tenure track faculty positions. So there is a significant percent of postdocs who are not going into academia. At MCW we develop training pathways for our postdocs. We have the industry pathway, we have a teaching pathway. We do also have an academia pathway because it is critical to retain our postdocs in academia as well.
0: To date, Pico has recorded lots of success stories. We
1: have worked on over 100 projects with over 40 companies.
0: Which means some companies are repeat customers.
1: Which is a compliment. Usually the initial project is completed and they want to expand into something else, so we do another project with them.
0: Another collaboration between researchers and industry.
1: Ideally Pico completes the project successfully and the consultants get the business experience to get the job in industry.
0: You can learn more about Pico by going to their website. We'll post a link on our CTSI website along with this show. Or, Julie says...
1: Listeners can email us directly at PICO, P-I-C-O, at mcw.edu.
0: That's Dr. Julie Tetzloff, Associate Dean for Postdoctoral Affairs and Graduate Career Development and PICO Faculty Advisor at the Medical College of Wisconsin. Now that we know what PICO is, let's learn more about the experience of being a consultant from academia in a non-academic industry. Fabian Yu is a graduate student at the University of Toronto and a research assistant at the Medical College of Wisconsin. He's also a member of PICO. We spoke with Fabian recently and learned about his experience with the group. First,
2: he gives us his elevator pitch on what PICO means for him and his peers. PICO is a platform that really aims to help offer business and strategic consulting services within the health or life sciences sector for free, provided by a really diverse group of scientists that are highly trained in solving problems. It really gives us a bridge and a transition to go from the lab bench to a boardroom.
0: He says the goal is really twofold.
2: One, to help the community push life sciences innovation, healthcare innovation with entrepreneurs, but on top of that, give an opportunity for postdocs and trainees to really get relevant industry experiences while working in research and using those research skills that they learned in the lab in an industry setting. Earlier, Dr. Julia
0: Tetzloff explained what a postdoctoral fellow is.
1: It's not really a job. It's an internship that lasts about three to five years. And then when you complete the internship, you're ready to go into a career in academia.
0: But that's not Fabian. Not yet, anyway. He's still
2: pre-doctoral. And he tells us about his educational journey. I actually moved to the Medical College, Wisconsin, about two years ago. I'm still a graduate student at the University of Toronto, but my supervisor, Dr. Jeffrey Medine, got a new job as the MacFund Professor here, so I relocated with him, and I'm in my last year of my PhD. He says he learned about PICO while still a student in Canada. I actually learned about PICO before I moved to Milwaukee. While I was in Toronto, I was involved in some professional development experiences, and because I was moving, I really wanted to see what opportunities were available. I learned about PICO, and I knew I wanted to continue doing my research and try to get some other experiences, and that's what really interested me to join PICO. What
0: specifically was he hoping to gain by working directly with industry and offering
2: his consulting services through PICO? First off, I really wanted to get my hands dirty to know what consulting is. Secondly, I kind of really wanted to put myself in a bit of an uncomfortable environment. As scientists, we're experts in a really, really narrow field of study, placing myself in an uncomfortable for environment helped me. And the third, I think, is mostly to network. So I'm new to the U.S., I'm Canadian, and I didn't really have ideas of how to do professional development here. So Pico was a platform for me to do that.
0: Fabian dove right into his first consulting project. Due to confidentiality reasons, he's limited on what specific details he can share.
2: But what he can tell us... We worked with a local entrepreneur. This person had an idea for a health tech app slash platform that was aimed at tracking and also improving a patient's healthcare experience from getting diagnosed to going to the pharmacy and then going for follow-up. Our goal was to do a really high-level market analysis to try to figure out what type of medical conditions should the client basically do a pilot test on. Next, he describes his role on the project. We were a team of three consultants, and we were supervised by a senior consultant. I acted as like a liaison with the client and team, and the project lasted about three to four months. And the result of his first PICO consulting project. At the end, we were really able to help her narrow her focus on a disease condition for her future piloting, and I think one of the really good results that came out of this project is that the material that we provided her she was able to use in future investor meetings and on top of that she's actually requested a second PICO project. Fabian admits it's challenging for pre and postdocs to
0: experience working in a non-academic setting but the exposure provides a big upside.
2: Someone told me it's a bit of a curse because you're overqualified education wise but you're underqualified in terms of actual job experience so I think PICO has really helped helped me to gain more confidence and learn to do things a little bit more flexible because on one day I might be looking at statistics active from the CDC and then another day I'm looking at insurance claims and things like that. So you get to dabble in various different things.
0: So has his PICO experience created any changes in his professional path? I
2: kind of learned early on to consider options other than academia. So I went into the PhD thinking I want to do postdoc and also become a professor. As a scientist, we're given a lot of analytical skills and we actually can translate them in various different ways. So Pico has actually allowed me to open my horizon into different areas and I'm definitely interested in an area outside of bench research." In the end, Fabian says there's benefit all around with PICO. PICO has really welcomed me into their environment, and same with the MCW environment. What I'm proud about PICO is that it really is a win-win situation for both the community and entrepreneurs, but also for the trainees that are being trained in Wisconsin. It's a cyclic benefit, win-win situation.
0: And he recommends others like him to consider checking out PICO as well.
2: I would absolutely recommend PICO to any graduate student or postdoctoral fellow. It's a platform that gives scientists other things to think about a flavor of other career options and also a tangible industry experience because employers say, why should I hire a scientist in a business role? And then also for the scientists thinking, how can I apply for this job if I only have science skills? Graduate students and postdocs have a wealth of translatable skills that would really make them great assets in industry.
0: Our thanks to Fabian Yu, a pre-doctoral student at the University of Toronto and a member of PICO at the Medical College of Wisconsin. In order to fully understand the value of PICO, it's important to learn the value it brings to industry as well. For this, we turn to Dr. Chad Beyer, Senior Vice President of Research and Development for Promentus Pharmaceuticals, an industry partner that's utilized the services of Pico Consultants. Dr. Beyer tells us about his biotech pharmaceutical company called Promentis. <laughs>
3: developing medicines for people who have brain disorders our particular focus is a psychiatric disease called trichotillomania these are people who repetitively pick out their hair we are developing a treatment for trichotillomania but we also know that the science really has a lot to do with restoring chemicals in our brains and I'm excited to say we're in clinical development. 32 human beings on planet Earth have been exposed to our drug, and our clinical program continues to progress into the new year.
0: He adds that Promentis has roots with Marquette University, partner institution of CTSI.
3: Science originated with Dr. David Baker and Dr. John Manch, both of whom are Marquette faculty members, and a lot of the science came out of the labs and the work that they were doing in the context of addiction. That's going back now to, like, 2009. But we have progressed, the science has progressed, the company has grown, the chemistry has grown, and we now have people who work in Boston, D.C., Colorado, but Milwaukee still is that central hub.
0: And in time, their team came to involve consultants from PICO. How did Prementus find Pico? Turns out, they didn't.
3: It's funny you ask that because I think they came to us. We didn't go looking for them. They found us. And just as I was getting involved in Prometheus, we had a meeting with two folks from PICO, who ultimately became our consultants, Sheldon Garrison and Adam Gasongue, who joined the Prometheus team as postdoc advisors for the PICO program. But they actually found us. They have a pretty good, aggressive way of finding opportunities for their consultants.
0: There was a specific need that consultants could fill, something Prometheus previously lacked the bandwidth to do.
3: One area we were interested in was autism didn't have the bandwidth, didn't have the resources to really think about it. And their first project was, let's get some type of market research, let's get some type of reporting, let's get a sense of this therapeutic area. I think they were here for two terms. And in the second term, they wrote a grant to the National Institute of Health that got funded to do some exploratory work in the area of autism.
0: Dr. Julie Tetzloff remembers that project very well and she says it ranks among her favorites.
1: That's one of my favorite PICO stories. One of our postdocs helped write the SBIR grant and they wrote some salary coverage in and that turned into a job at Prometheus as director of rare diseases. That's not our expectation in PICO that the consultant is gonna go on to work for the client but when it does happen, it's great.
0: And while a job offer isn't the expectation, what is expected are networking opportunities for the consultants.
1: We do look for networking from the clients, and so that's kind of one of the biggest benefits that we get for our PICO consultants. It's critical too, so if we can have one door open, it really makes a difference. There is a small industry here in southeastern Wisconsin, and so anytime we can tap into that, it's really appreciated.
0: Meanwhile, Dr. Bayer says there's definitely benefit in bringing an outsider perspective, in this case, from academia into the industry setting.
3: We're organization. So a couple of extra people never hurt. Just outside fresh ideas to say, hey, have you thought about this? Or hey, have you thought about that? Just getting more people looking at the same problem will get to a better answer sooner.
0: It's also key that PICO consultants already understand the importance of confidentiality from their experience and research.
3: We have confidentiality agreements with these folks that say, hey, when you're here and when we're talking about this stuff, it's important that you don't start talking to people at a bar or at a restaurant about this really interesting project on autism. We can talk about it now because we've gotten this grant and it's become public.
0: He says that initial experience utilizing consultants was positive, so much so...
3: That another group from Pico came in and did some market research for us on the overall orphan disease environment where you could expect to make some progress with what we're thinking about here at Permentis. He
0: describes the consultants he and Permentis have worked with as
3: high energy people, they're observant. They're smart, they're engaged. And I think part of this program's success is that they have people who fit well into these types of environments. It's a different world than, say, working at the medical college. Not to say that it's better, not to say that it's worse, it's just different.
0: But he recognizes it can be tricky to bring in someone from academia into the for-profit business world.
3: And I think the same would hold true if somebody from the business environment went to try to work in an academic environment. The culture's different, the pace is different, so there's a bit of a risk associated with bringing folks in. I think that's just sort of the biggest challenge is not being totally sure how they're going to respond.
0: In the end, he says the reward far outweighs any risk for both the Pico consultants and companies like Prometis Pharmaceuticals who hire them.
3: See it as a way to professionally pay it forward. This is a way to help shape future people if they happen to come in and stay in this biotech pharma industry. Finding out how a company works, it allows them to say, hey, no, that's what I really want to do with the rest of my life. Or they say, oh, wow, I didn't like that experience at all.
0: (laughs) And he'd recommend others consider utilizing a PICO consultant in their industry as well. I think
3: it's a good thing. A good
0: thing all around. That's Dr. Chad Beyer, Senior Vice President of Research and Development for Prementis Pharmaceuticals. Finally, today, our community eye looks back at a national conference of the 2017 Small Business Innovation Research and Small Business Technology Transfer Programs National Conference held here in Milwaukee that we told you about on this show. Dr. Kalpa Vithalani is Licensing Manager with the Medical College of Wisconsin's Office of Technology Development and one of the key organizers in bringing this national conference to our community last fall. It's a conference for providing information on funding sources to innovators in hopes they'll get their ideas and inventions to industry and commercialization. We spoke to her again recently to see how the conference went but first let's revisit the explanation of the SBIR and STTR programs that she shared with us ahead of the conference.
4: The United States Congress created the SBIR program in 1982 and the STTR program in 1992. Basically, it's a congressionally mandated program where federally funded agencies have to set aside a percentage of their extramural budgets to facilitate small business research and to allow small businesses to engage in research and development that has a strong commercial potential.
0: So how did the National Conference go when it was held here in Milwaukee last fall? Dr. Vithalani tells us that by any measure, the conference was a huge success.
4: We're just super excited and honestly feel quite blessed that the event went As well as it did.
0: In fact, it went so well that records were broken
4: broke records in terms of attendance. Last year, this conference was held in Orlando and uh, we had more attendees. 510 registered attendees from the pharmaceutical industry, medical device industry, the healthcare space, and certainly from academic research institutions. So that was cool.
0: She tells us there were attendees from 37 different states and Wisconsin was well represented.
4: I believe 37% of the attendees were from Wisconsin, which is awesome. It tells us there are innovative minds here in the state, many of whom came from CTSI institutions.
0: And there was significant representation from the NIH and Department of Health and Human Services.
4: 82 people came to Milwaukee from the Department of Health and Human Services, and they represented 36 different institutes and centers from the NIH. And they met with attendees throughout the three-day conference.
0: There was also a special keynote speaker, former Health and Human Services Secretary and Wisconsin Governor, Tommy Thompson, who gave a much appreciated shout out to the CTSI. When it comes to the exchange of ideas, the combining of forces and the ability to recognize opportunities, the do-it-alone attitude really hurts. What does the CTSI do? It is a consortium of eight regional organizations whose mission is to advance the health of the community through research and discovery. From the Blood Center of Wisconsin to the MCW and everyone in between, including the VA Marquette Milwaukee School of Engineering, UW-Milwaukee Freighter Hospital, this uniquely composed consortium is designed to deliver good health-related ideas In the borderless manner as possible to the public. How many one on one meetings were held during the conference to share innovative ideas?
4: There were 603 one on one meetings which were held with these NIH program officers. Many of these are program managers for the SBI or programs that are making granting decisions. And many of the people that we spoke with who did have a one on one meeting said they're going to follow up. And hopefully, what we'll see is an uptick in applications going in from our CTSI institutions.
0: With the hope that some of the ideas presented at the conference could eventually become commercially viable in the healthcare industry.
4: Three years ago, I guess the conference was hosted in New Mexico and one of the organizers was here in Milwaukee and mentioned that four years out from when they hosted the conference, they actually have three products and clinical trials. So we're hoping that we can keep track of what happens to the attendees who became more aware of this funding mechanism.
0: Dr. Thelani says she's pleased with the spectrum of people who attended the conference, and all seem to be equally excited about their experience.
4: One of our youngest attendees, he was an undergrad who's developing a medical device. There was a real sense of excitement, a sense of energy about being able to apply for SBIR and STTR grants, as well as contracts.
0: And who knows? Maybe someday we'll be telling you about an idea that came out of this conference on a future show. That's Dr. Kalpa Vithalani, one of the key organizers who successfully brought the SBIR STTR National Conference to Milwaukee, this month's focus of Our Community Eye. And with that update, we've now reached the end for this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Again, our sincere thanks to today's guests, Dr. Julie Tetzloff, PICO Faculty Advisor at the Medical College of Wisconsin, Dr. Chad Beyer, Senior VP of R&D at Permentis Pharmaceuticals, Fabian Yu, PICO Consultant and a Pre-Doctoral Student at the University of Toronto, and Dr. Kalpa Vithalani, Licensing Manager in the Office of Technology Development at the Medical College of Wisconsin. I hope you've discovered something by listening to today's show. And I'm doubly hopeful you'll join us again next time. CTSI Discovery Radio airs the third Friday of every month. So make an appointment on your calendar and join us for each episode. On behalf of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin and all of our affiliate partners and members, I'm Brian Belmer. wishing you happy, healthy days ahead. For more information about research, events like our monthly science cafes, or to listen to this program online and on demand, please visit the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin website at ctsi.mcw.edu. While you're there, sign up as a community member. We need your help to advance clinical and translational team science and improve the health of our community and people worldwide. And remember, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. CTSI Discovery Radio is written, produced, and hosted by Brian Belmer in collaboration with WMSE Radio. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Reza Shakir.